0: You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. All right, there's lots of lingo, there's lots of stuff that goes on. We also think of corporate as just being an image that you're supposed to project, that somehow you're supposed to act a certain way, say certain things. And what we don't want in the church is for the church to try to act a certain way or try to say a certain thing to sound spiritual but not actually be spiritual. So we're today going to look at corporate doctrine, and the reason, I just got to be honest with you, when I think of doctrine, uh, I mean, I, I went to three years of grad school, and there are doctrines about everything. And when we think of doctrine, doctrine can sound like opinionated, argumentative, almost heretical at some times, uh, and it just sounds like it's, you know, someone's opinion, and it just sounds like dry, and even at times, boring. But there are miss the point of what it means to have corporate doctrine, because the core statements of faith, the corporate doctrines that we adhere to, tell the story of God. They tell the story of God. That's the whole point of corporate doctrine. When we belong, when we come together around a certain view of statement of faith, we are telling the story of God. And if we water it down, then we water down the story of God. We begin to miss elements. And as you watch denominations who try to put out like position papers and statements about this and statements about, over time they get watered down. Over time they lose their mission. They get off focus. They stop telling the story of God because it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Why do we adhere to core doctrines? Because it's one of God's ways of revealing his passionate pursuit and relationship relationship of you and people throughout all times and centuries it's timeless so we want to tell the core you know story of God and if you know anything about Sun Grove Church we're all about the story of God what is the God's story in the big picture context of history? We want to show how humanity was created in perfect relationship, perfect belonging with God, that they were created as male and female, and they had relationship that was unhindered, no sin, no shame, no embarrassment. They walked and they had relationship with God, and they could speak with him and talk with him and engage with him, and it was perfect relationship. But then sin entered the world through temptation and the subsequent agreement to break God's law, and in doing so, death entered the world, and the curse of sin happened against humanity, and all future generations became born under that curse of sin. And so God says, I want to create a way for people to be free from the curse of sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus, the only God-man who ever existed, 100% God, 100% human, born of a virgin birth, not by natural means, lived a perfect life, died upon a cross, took God's wrath against sin upon himself, and gave you a substitutionary death for your perfection, your forgiveness of sin. And how we now grow in a relationship of belonging, a corporate relationship Me interacting with God, you interacting with God, us together coming to interact with God in a corporate way so we have relationship with him and with one another. We have corporate doctrine, corporate worship, corporate prayer. These things all answer why you and I need relationship with Jesus and what his passionate pursuit of you and I really was. Solid doctrine tells the story of God. So we're gonna look at several of these doctrines here today. If you have your outline, we'll take some notes here together. I just wanna say that as we're getting started, we live in a day and an age where people want to be uh, very individualistic. They wanna say, you believe that, and I'll believe this, and, and, and you know, God's gonna maybe look at, He's gonna look at the intention of my heart. Like when I get there, I think you'll just understand that I was really well intentioned and that you know, my sin wasn't as bad as that person, and I had pretty good intentions here. And I want you to understand something, that that's not the case. That God looked at sin in a corporate way. When God judges cause of the rise or fall of a nation, he does it to both the godly and the ungodly. They both incur the consequences of that. But we live in a day and an age where people want to go their own way, but not Christ followers. Christ followers say we want to put ourselves in perspective with God's word. We want to be the church We want to belong to the church because we are, as the church is described, what's the definition of the church? It's the called out ones. We want to be called out from culture and all this individual opinion and dissension and argument. We want to be called out to be the people of God in relation. We are called out for relationship with a God who pursued us because he loves us. Doctrine tells the story of God. First, if you're taking notes today, the first thing we're going to look at is the doctrine of the Bible. The Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God written by men who were moved by the Holy Spirit. It is therefore without error. And I want to say that here because if we've taken polls before, even here in church, and said, how many of you believe that, you know, 100% of the Bible is inspired, 80% is inspired, 60% is inspired, and there's a whole world of opinion out there. But what I want to tell you is that at the core thing, we believe that this is God spoken, God inspired through people, and God doesn't make mistakes. And so God has given us his written word. This is his word to us. Now, Are there difficulties in the Bible? Absolutely. Like I say, I've got a master's degree in this book. Sometimes those difficulties are linguistic. That there's difficulties translating what was said in Greek or Hebrew or in a Hebrew mindset or a Greek mindset to an American or an English-speaking mindset. There's going to be difficulties with that. You're going to miss it. You're not going to understand that in the Old Testament when it said God made Pharaoh harden his heart. You're going to think, why would God do that? A Hebrew person would never think that. A Hebrew person would have this view of the sovereignty of God that as they would tell history and they would understand the way that things related, they would say because Pharaoh kept changing his mind and keeping the people there, that it ultimately under the sovereignty of God was his will. But as we translate Hebrew to English, it looks like God forced Pharaoh's heart to be bad. Not the case. See, there are differences or difficulties within the Bible, but as you study them, as you study the linguistic ones, as you study all sorts of the differences in the Bible, you'll find that difficulties, if you're willing to take the time to do it, have great answers, intelligent, thoughtful answers that are backed by history, that are backed by great uh, education and research. And I think you can uh, find those in there. If you want to know more about just the Bible, I want to encourage you to go to Vimeo, which is our site that hosts all of our sermons. Really, we've got more than the last five years' worth of sermons on there. But we did a series called Text that said, how do you study the Bible? Is the Bible reliable? What's the history of the Bible? And I would highly encourage you to go there because we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God written by men, who were moved by God's Holy Spirit, is therefore without Error. We believe the Word of God, the question is this, what degree of claim does this book have on your life? Or does our individualistic desire for opinion want to trump what God has revealed in His Word? What I love about the Bible is a couple things. Number one, this book is God initiated. He's the one who initiated relationship. You ever have a relationship with somebody and you're like, I'm always the initiator. Like they never, you know, they never reciprocate the initiation. I'm always the one who has to pursue. I'm always the one who has to, you know, initiate relationship. In this, it, God is the initiator. He's the one who started it. It happened before you and I were born, but it's consistent. It is timeless. It's objective. It, it, the truths that are in here today were valuable for people year, thousands of years ago. They'll be valuable for people a thousand years from now if the Lord tarries. They'll be valuable. The word of God stands forever. It's valuable for your life. In your ministry, as Christ followers, we also have a unified, or in a sense, a corporate revelation. Uh, Could you imagine if all of us as church people were just like, well, God told me this, and God told me that. Well, God told me this. And you multiply it by thousands of people all over the whole world. Beautifully, we have a corporate revelation. God has revealed who he is about himself. He's told us the story of God through his word. He's communicated to us the passion of his relational intentions with us through his word. We have a corporate revelation through God's word. But not only do we have corporate revelation through God's word, but we need to understand doctrinally who God is. And so our second doctrine is the doctrine of God. It says this, we believe in one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ is the second member of the Trinity. He's the Son of God and became flesh in order to reveal God to man. Now, there is a corporate nature in the very being of God. And I want you to understand this just for a second. Because there's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit dwell in corporate relationship. How many gods do we have? We have one. There is one God. God is one in essence. But he is expressed through three different what we call persons. And that doesn't mean multiple personalities. Okay? What it means is that God is one in essence, but as such, there is a, the Holy Spirit side of God. There's Jesus who became flesh as God. There's God the Father, but they work in complete unity, a corporate nature, a belonging nature. And here's how it works. The Holy Spirit's role is to indwell us, but it's also to convict those who are lost of their sin so that they can see how passionate God is about them, that they might turn away from their sins and come into right relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit's whole role is to point people to Jesus. He's his, his like, my whole role is Jesus. You and your life, I'm going to identify where you are. I'm going to illuminate the scriptures to you. If you have God's Holy Spirit living in you, I'm going to open your eyes to the truths of the scripture. I'm going to engage it. Why? So that you engage with Jesus. His whole role is to point to Jesus. Now, Jesus' role, as you look in scripture... All the time, Jesus does the will of God the Father. He says, I don't do what I want to do. I always put myself in subjection, in obedience to the will of the Father. I listen to what my Father says, and that's what we do. He puts himself in right relationship to to God the Father. God the Father says, I put all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth in the name of Jesus. In Jesus, a complete unity. God the Father is over all and in all and through all. He is almighty God. But they, there's no vaulting ambition. There's no competition between them. There's no elevation of who's more important. It is God who is one in essence. But I want you to catch that he's perfect in relationship. That all the imperfections of relationship, the ambition... The one-upmanship, all that stuff, it, it doesn't exist in God. That's a human condition because of the nature of sin. But God is corporate. He belongs in relationship. And it's important that here at church we talk about God. But it would be a crying shame if we, you came today to church and we talked all about God and you didn't encounter him. You didn't engage with God. You said, hey, I went and I heard a sermon, and they talked about God, they talked about the Bible, but I didn't engage. I didn't personally interact with God in church. So we're going to take a little pause here today, and I'm going to ask us to say the Lord's Prayer. And uh, for some of you, you grew up in a tradition where maybe this was something you did all the time, and it lost its meaning because it was just something that you said all the time, and it just, you know, it, it lost the original intention as Jesus began to teach his disciples how to pray in relationship to God. And what we're going to do today is we're going to use a couple of these statements. We're going to say them out loud. And then we're going to be quiet for about 10, maybe 15 seconds. And I want the truth of what you're saying and praying to let God's Holy Spirit begin to speak to you today. So with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I'll say the statement. You can just repeat it after me, and then we're going to pause. So let's encounter God together this morning. Matthew 6, beginning with verse 9, he says... Our Father in heaven. We just repeat that. Our Father in heaven. God, we just acknowledge where you are in relation to where we are right now, that you're higher than us and different than us take this next statement, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. Are you in agreement with that today? Do you corporately agree with that, that holy is the name of God? Repeat this next statement, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We repeat that, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will is always done in heaven. It just operates that way. And we pray that that would also operate where we live on earth. The next statement, let's pray. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Of course, God considers your needs. um, Shelter, food, clothing, etc. But also, he wants to feed you today from his word. He wants to give you what your soul needs today. Verse 12 says, And forgive us our debts. We repeat that. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. But deliver us from the evil one. let us close with this statement, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. See, it's different talking about God than talking to God. And there are points in there that we relate to. Sometimes we relate to, well, of course, I want to be delivered from the evil one. But I don't really want to say, lead me not into temptation. Sometimes you might think of our hurts or habits or hang-ups. We might want to reach for killer comforts. We might want to flirt with temptation a little bit, right? And God's saying, lead us not into well, I don't. I want to be delivered from the evil one, but I'm not always sure that I don't want to experience temptation because in our culture, sometimes we do. Maybe for you, you were struck by that it's God's will being done. And so often you're like, my will be done. But realizing I had to submit my will to the will of Father. As the Holy Spirit's leading me to do that, as the example of Christ showed me, leading it to God. We submit ourselves to Him. Well, the next doctrine that we'll talk about is humanity. Humanity. We believe people were created in the image of God to fellowship with Him, but sinned against God, becoming spiritually dead and alienated from that relationship. Apart from the initiation of God, humanity is incapable of coming back to a right relationship with God. You can't buy your way back to a right relationship with God. You can't say, God, please look at my good intentions. When you and I were born, we were born into a corporation. We were born into a corporation called humanity, And basically, you and I were born into sin. When the first ones had sinned, we inherited that. All those who were were born afterwards were received a sin nature. Now, before you get all high and mighty and begin to get self-righteous, I just want to read this verse to you. You were guilty by association just by simply being human. And you and I have sinned. Romans 5, chapter 12 say, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and then the result, right, then death... Through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Why? Because all sinned. There's a corporate nature to it, that because the first of humans sinned, subsequently all who were born after them sinned. Now, now it's just the nature of it, and because people then, as a result of sin, die. Death is one out of one. One out of one, people die. You can't get around that statistic. That's the nature of life. And because that's the nature of life, it's because you and I have sinned. And before you get all self-righteous on me, uh, the stats would basically say that you at some point in your life have lied or cheated or stolen or gotten greedy or coveted or felt all sorts of wrong things, that you've been angry at the point you wanted to harm somebody. There's all sorts of things that you have. And if you've sinned once, then you are therefore guilty of sin. In fact, I would suggest that some of the great uh, you know, music that we have or other things just project all the time that we have a sinful nature. Maybe you at some point in your life, like Rick Springfield, wish that you had Jesse's girl. Okay, maybe. I'm just, I'm just saying there might be that desire that maybe for you, some of you are like Bruno Mars who said, I want to be a billionaire so very bad. Maybe some of you like country music, and you're like Miranda Lambert who said, got a real good feeling something bad about to happen. And especially, yeah, there's one country music fan, I heard her right over (laughs) there. Especially if you're about to ditch church, which in that song is what they talked about. I suspect at times that you and I, at some point, just being honest, we're just real here, honest with each other. At some point in your life, you wanted to be God. That you said, I want things to go my way. I'm tired of everybody else telling me what to do. I'm a control freak. I want things to be my way. And so at some point in your life, you know, you wanted things to go your way, and your heart might have sang this: no right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Let it go, sing with me. I am one with the wind and sky. Let it go, let it go. You'll never see me cry. Here I stand and here I'll stay. Let the storm rage on everything. The cold never bothered me anyway, right? That just happened right here in church, yes. You just sang Frozen right here in church. But when we talk about humanity, we realize that the cold of sin affects our hearts. It affects our soul. That we're born into a condition in which we are not content with the life we live. Why? Because we were created for relationship. We were created for eternity. And sin brings death which interrupts eternity. And sin brings consequence which interrupts the quality of life that we live. And so we bear the consequences of the sins of others on us, and others bear the consequences of our sin. And it's an evil and a vicious cycle, and we will say, who will rescue me from this body of death? Praise be to Jesus Christ our Lord. He's the one who's the rescue because we are born into humanity. Romans five eighteen uh, through 19 basically says this, Consequently, Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through obedience of one man the many will be made righteous. What are they talking about? They're talking about salvation. That just as through Adam, the first man, and his wife Eve, through the first people when they sinned, sin entered the world, in the same way, then through Jesus Christ, a way is made for the consequences of sin to be nullified and salvation be had. So the next doctrine we look at is the doctrine of salvation, because solid doctrine tells the story of God. Salvation says this, we believe the shed blood of Christ on the cross is God's sole provision For the forgiveness of sins. All who place their trust in Christ's substitutionary death will receive salvation that cannot be lost. Beautiful thing. We need it. But I want you to realize again, God looks at sin corporately, we like to look at sin individually. We like to say, well, they did that, I didn't do that. And God goes, corporately, you're part of humanity, you've sinned. The rise and fall of nations, God's causes those consequences to happen to the godly and the ungodly. And I want you to understand that as well-intentioned as you might be, that God's going to look at the good intentions of my heart, and he'll ultimately give me a pass into heaven. That that kind of thinking is, a, is a Western culture, American, individualistic mindset And that is not the mindset of God. God says corporately you're born into humanity. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the boat you're in. The road to hell is paved with people's good intentions. But God loved you and me enough that he would become flesh and die for us on a cross God looks at sin corporately. If God looked individually at sin, what would happen? He'd say, well, I had to come to earth, and I'd become flesh, and I'd have to die for you. And then you were born at a different time, so I'd have to come to earth and die for you. And then I'd have to come back again, I'd have to suffer again, and die for you, and I'd have to do this over and over. Because if sin is individualistic, and I can't wipe it out through one righteous atoning death, I've got to do it individually. If God's to look at sin simply individually... He'd have to die many times. In fact, Hebrews tells us this in chapter 9. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, he's coming back. He's coming back to fulfill, to culminate that salvation that the church, those who put their faith and trust in him, that he will say, now you are in physical, right, authentic relationship with me. And sin is done away with, and it is perfected. But until that time, we're going to experience sin at the same time, we'll experience salvation. That there is a God who's covered our sins. Praise be to God who would do that. His right doctrine tells the story of God about salvation. Well, what's the result of salvation is number five, the Christian life. We believe that Christians are called to live for God and to obey the word through submission to the indwelling Holy Spirit, resulting in continual spiritual maturity. What's our job on earth right now? It's to encounter God. It's to grow through community. And it's to live our calling. That you and I were to encounter God a first time and say, God, I believe that you died for my sins. I give you my life. And you come to that moment of salvation. But after that, you and I are to encounter him every day. Not just Sunday. That through talking to him in prayer, that through reading his word, by giving his great word, greater claim on your life, you were growing until the day you were face-to-face with him in right relationship. So we encounter God, we grow through community, and we live our calling here at Sun Grove Church. That's how we say it. Encounter God and keep encountering him. Grow through community, get in community groups, volunteer together. Grow in relationships with other people. And last, learn what gifts you have to bring to the table. Use and be the person God has called you to be. Use the gifts that he's called you to do to make an eternal difference, not for your will or your kingdom, but for his. We're weary building our own kingdoms. You're tired, worn out, building your own kingdom. God says build mine the one that never perishes spoils or fades and the one that death doesn't violate or end build my kingdom use your gifts volunteer be involved the christian life and the last doctrine is the doctrine of the church we believe that the church is the body of christ which, of which jesus christ is the head the members are those who have trusted by faith in the finished work of christ the purpose of the church is to glorify God. So members invest their time and treasure and talents toward that purpose. Members use their individual spiritual gifts to build up the body and make God known to a lost world. That's the point of being the church. That we as a church, we're not saying, hey, we're the church. Come to our corporate set of mindset or ideas or worldview. That's not what we're saying. We're saying come into relationship. When you have relationship with God, when God gets the heart of a man... When God gets the heart of a woman, he begins to get everything else. If God just got your head in terms of doctrine, you've got a lot of heart work to do. If some of you are all about passion, and you vary, and you begin to say, oh my gosh, I feel so many things, my feeling side is so huge, you might need to get into some doctrine. Because when you begin to compromise doctrine because of feeling, you begin to compromise the story of God, you begin to compromise who God is And then you begin to say things like, well, well, I don't think there is a hell, or I don't think that God would send anybody to hell, or I I think all people are kind of saved. And what you just do, you just compromise the death that Jesus died. Now, do we wish that was the case on a feeling level? Sure. But the revealed, consistent, timeless truth of the Word of God is that's not how life operates. So combine, solid doctrine tells the story of God. And be the church, be in relationship because the whole point of the story of God is relationship with you. Last week I interacted with just a young dad who during last week's sermon, just with tears, streaming down his face, just rededicated his life to Jesus, just walking back into relationship with God. And I got to tell you something, he was able to do that because last week we basically set the date. We can't, we can't cause change to happen in people. We can't cause you to decide to do one thing or another. All we can do is set the date. But I got to tell you, people who volunteered from the curb all the way to the chair, the people who worked in kids ministry and watched his children, the people who greeted him at the door, the people who directed the parking outside, the people who served the different elements last week, and all these areas, everybody, everything, the church working together, all we did is come along and set the date. But God's Holy Spirit is the one who causes a person to fall in love with God. And i got to say thank you to every person who volunteers to serve because you're not just out there working in kids' ministry, uh, working with children. You are laying a foundation in the lives of children from which they will never recover in a great sense. And in the same thing, you're providing an opportunity for a dad like that to hear the good news of Jesus clearly and respond with his heart. You're setting the date. And I just got to tell you that, you know what, I know relationships in our culture, they're difficult. You're not going to make great friends. In the one-minute you know, meet and greet that we have here, like, hey, stand up, greet the person next to you, and, and, and you're not going to make great friendships uh, unless that person is sitting in the same seats next week, which, by the way, is highly likely, because I look around and you all sit in the same seats every week. We say, like, scoot forward, you know, crush in a little bit so people don't sit so far in the back. Uh, most of you don't because you, like, sit in your same seats, Right. Um, But we want to, we want to, I'm saying, please help us, set the date, set the table, help us out here, because we want people to be able to do that, but you're not going to make great relationships in that one minute. We realize our culture, it's hard to build deep relationships. We host community groups in so many of our different homes, and we would love you to sign up in those kind of things, but I got to tell you, we're going to change some things fundamentally about what we do here, because we want to help you build deeper relationships uh, one of the ways that we want to do that is we just acknowledge that God's doing something deeper in us as a church. Uh, that people are coming forward, being prayed over. That, that the experience people have here on Sunday morning is not just hearing the word and going back to regular life, but that God is at work in our hurts, our habits, our hangups. He's transforming who we are, the people that we're becoming. And we just have felt rushed. We felt compressed. And so we're going to do something a little bit different. Let me explain that to you. Um, we're going to change our service times. Now, you're the lucky side of the group because 11 o'clock will stay the same. We're changing our earlier service to 9 a.m., but here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask all of you that come at 11 to come at 9 as well and to volunteer to serve, to help set the date for people to hear the good news of Jesus. I'm also going to ask you, as you come earlier, uh, that gap time between the hours. We're basically going to have 40 minutes between our hours instead of about 10 minutes that we currently have now. The 40 minutes that we'll have between hours, we're going to do some things that help you Build relationships, which means you need to get here, not at 11, but at about 10:15. okay? So what I want you to do is, th- there's some reasons. We want you to build relationship. We want you to engage. We want you to bring people, and for them, the new time guests, to be able to have a place, we'll have it right outside, where they can sit down. They can fill out all the information. It won't slow down the kids' lines. You can check your kids in at whatever time you get here, and you don't have to check them out or check them back in. You just check them in. We will take care of your children and our kids' ministry. And so we're going to do that. But what we want new people to be able to have a place where they can connect. We want you to be able, so as I look around the room, I'm seeing a lot of people here. You're newer to Sun Grove Church, that you're here, but you haven't yet stepped forward to really kind of volunteer and connect. And it's harder to build relationship. I get it. So we want you to be able to build relationship. We're going to ser- serve shave ice in the front yard. We've got an area that we're sectioning out right out front. We're gonna do shave ice out there. That You're gonna have time to be able to stand around under canopies, talk to people, be able to hang out, build relationships, have conversations, meet some people, go a little bit deeper, which means you'll need to get here earlier for that, especially if you or your kids want shave ice, gotta come early, because once service starts here at 11, that will shut down. So you wanna get here a little bit earlier during that time. We also want a time where you can sign up to volunteer and get connected immediately. You're not waiting for a phone call back. You're not waiting. But that you, I just believe that people grow through relationships. Those of you who will serve at the fireworks booth, you're going to build friendships with those people in just three hours. And then when you see them again at church, you're going to be like, I, totally, we totally connect. That was so great, that experience we had there. And it's going to be a phenomenal time for you. So we want you to be able to do that. So our service times are going to go from 9 a.m. and then also at 11. And we want you to be able to extend the time that you're here so that we are not rushed in our Sabbath time on the Lord's day and spending time with him, having a spiritual experience, but also in growing in community with one another. It's been so neat to watch our church grow in a hunger for connecting with one another over the last six months. I just think God is doing something new here and new at work. When you go to uh, England and you get on the tube, they have a little sign everywhere that says, mind the gap. And that means when you step onto the subway, Be sure to step over the little gap between the train and the platform so you don't get injured. And what we're asking you to do in your church experience is mind the gap. Don't just think of the service time. Think about coming along and setting the date that someone might fall in love with Jesus and hear the story of God. And come to salvation because you volunteered. Because you brought a neighbor along. Because you took time with somebody. Would you help us set the date for people so that they might know Jesus Christ? Would you connect with other people on a deep level through volunteering? That's what we're asking you to do. Corporate means that you belong. You and I belong. That you're of, that you're for. Corporately, we seek to lead people to become fully devoted Christ followers. And we hold the solid doctrine because it tells the story of relationship with Almighty God. Because solid, t- solid doctrine tells the story of God. So let me just ask as we kind of close here today, have you responded? Have you responded to relationship with God? Have you filled your mind up with head knowledge about God, but it has not become relational? You could know stats all about an athlete and never have met them. You could know all about God, but you've never met him. Have you submitted your sin problem to a God who paid for it on the cross? with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, so you're not distracting anybody else around the room. I'm just simply going to ask if today you want to say yes to relationship with God, you'd like to say yes to Jesus Christ, that you simply pray a prayer like this after me, just right where you're seated, you just pray it silently. God hears you, but you're praying to him. But you might just say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that you rose from the dead, and that you're God. I ask you to take away my sin, cleanse me, make me spiritually alive. I want relationship with you, I'm tired of building my kingdom, and so God, today I'm saying yes to you. If today you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just slip up your hand? Anywhere around the room, we've got some people who'd like to give you some information. Awesome, right there. Greatest decision you could ever make. Just hold your hand up. We've got a guy coming down to give you some info. Anywhere else around the room, all the way in the back. Awesome. Great, great, great. Just hold your hand up long enough that we can see right here in the front. Best decision you could ever make. It took a person standing on the stage telling the story of God for me to understand it. Because people don't know unless they hear. Believers around the room, are you walking in relationship with Jesus? Are you praying like the Lord's Prayer? Are you getting real with God? Sun Grove Church, we give it up for what God is doing among us. That's awesome. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.